Hey, I'm Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Please come and check out this exciting episode we have for you. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today, we have a really cool guest with us from Pi Energy Company. We have Phil Layton, who's also a Navy veteran. So, Phil, I want to welcome you to the show, man, and thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us today. Thank you. Yeah, so um, you got a lot of neat stuff to talk about. Um, you know, well, let's, let's dig into a little bit of your military past and talk about, you know, the time you spent in the Navy. And I know you were, you're an engineer in the Navy. So tell us how that came to be. How did you consider joining the military? What was that, that push to get you in? I had just gotten out of graduate school and I was working in a place called Maxwell Technologies. And we were working on some interesting stuff uh, for the DOD, um, some plasma, uh, pla uh, pulse power plasma research. We're doing some um, space hardware testing for uh, uh, radiation. And uh, one of the VPs there was a Navy engineering duty officer. And he asked if I could join, uh, if I'd be interested in joining. And actually, the, the, it was an interesting program. What they do is they're looking for people with certain technical expertise. And what the Navy had was a broad spectrum of technologies that they were interested in following and felt that it would be better that these people were actually out at the universities and civilian life doing their whatever they were doing, their research, and staying in the cutting edge of whatever uh, technology they're working on. So um, I thought this was an interesting opportunity. I, I really didn't know what I was getting into, but I had some, everybody in my family had been in the military. Uh, my dad was a Marine, my brother was in the Air Force, my uncles were in the Marines. So it's kind of, I was drawn to it just as uh, an interesting, um, just uh, anyway. Uh, so we, uh, I joined uh, as a direct commissioned uh, engineering duty officer, actually, uh, and most of my time for 10 years was spent uh, as uh, in the reserves. So, oh, nice. Yeah, that's cool. So as an engineer in the Navy, what do you do? I mean, you're, you're not building bridges, obviously, because you're on a boat. So um, what does an engineer do? Yeah, so there's several things. So there was... Uh, one part of it was the Navy wanted to have this skill set, this uh, database of people with specific skill sets. Mine was pulse power plasma physics. But at the same time, the engineers uh, for the Navy do many different things. The uh, Chang on the boat, the chief engineering, uh, uh, engineering officer, would be responsible both for the operations of the boat for damage control um, and the other jobs that the engineers would do on, on base would be supporting engineering projects that are being developed uh, and or are operational in the fleet. Uh, you may have the uh, cathodic protection system, all those type of, uh, you know, the Navy is heavy um, platform base, and there's a lot of equipment that needs to be not only maintained, but also 
uh, the new cutting edge um, technologies need to be brought to the fleet. So you need a uh, technical group that represents the Navy um, and helps them implement those with uh, the uh, different uh, contractors, et cetera. Nice. Nice. That's really cool. Any, um, any fun places you got to visit or cool stories you can share with us from your time in service? Uh, yeah. So um, it was, I, I was lucky. I got to see a lot of different things. I went um, on uh, to ship shipyards and got to see some of these uh, new, I got to see the DDG uh, 51, the new Arley class destroyer at the time they were new being built in um, Portland, Maine. So the whole ship was sitting up on dry dock and you'd be able to crawl along uh, inside the ship and see how these things are put together. That was one of the interesting uh, places I got to see. The other one was doing a post shakedown cruise on a cruiser off the coast here of San Diego where I uh, stood watch, got to see how uh, and do live fire drills. Um, and what was interesting is how hard the team works. I know, uh, the, the, uh, Chang was, uh, he was work at two o'clock in the morning. He was still working. And then he got up at four o'clock every day. We were out there. So he had like four hours of sleep and they're wow. constantly, uh, going through drills, working through all the, uh, uh, different aspects of the operation of the, uh, ship. So that was a really, uh, a unique experience for me. Uh, I, I remember one of the problems is being a civ- civilian for most of the time. I was in grad, uh, you know, off working, and then coming into the Navy for two weeks, um, I was frequently bumping my head because I was a little tall on these Navy ships. It get, <laughs> takes a while getting used to uh, yeah. ducking under, going through the portholes and stuff. So. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, and some other places I've been to were, uh, you know, Hawaii. We go and do some uh, inspections, and I was in Philadelphia shipyard. Uh, so I, I, I had some interesting uh, places I got to see when uh, in, during my time there. That's awesome. Um, so tell us what you're doing now, uh, Pi Energy. That's that sounds um, pretty exciting. I, I heard a little bit about it, but I'll, I'll let you tell us what Pi Energy is and. You know, what, what's your role there and, and what are you guys up to? Thanks. Yeah, so uh, we started, I'm the CEO and uh, one of the founders of Pi Energy. Uh, what we're doing is a new solar PV that's flexible, has high performance, and is non-toxic. So what's different from this technology that we're developing from your standard crystalline panels is that this can be wrapped around any surface. So now you're opening up solar PV to things like wrapping on your car, buses, oh, okay. electric uh, delivery trucks, on um, wrapped around the side of buildings, on clothing. So what we're trying to do is expand where solar can go. And what's interesting is the electric vehicle, buses, and trucks Uh, that market expands, this will allow you to put solar on these platforms where they already have storage. So normally people have heard about this thing called the duck curve. You're producing a lot of solar in the middle of the day, but what happens at night? Well, this allows you to directly charge your car using sunlight. So even if you don't have a 
charging network nearby. So we've been uh, developing this technology. It's uh, been very exciting. We're here in San Diego. Um, and I, I'm really excited about the potential for this technology to expand solar. And uh, we found a lot of people that have been interested and, and new markets that we never had heard about uh, as we went along this journey. One of them is actually uh, on data centers, these huge buildings that consume like 1% of the uh, electric grid power uh, worldwide. And uh, it's really the, the roofs themselves were not designed to handle the heavy uh, weight of crystalline silicon panels. So there's this huge opportunity to wrap these um, large consumers of electricity with solar. So uh, there's a lot of interesting potential markets that we, as we've been going through our journey here that uh, we're finding. Well, on solar, you know, from my very elementary knowledge of it, um, panels themselves are pretty expensive uh, from what I understand and maybe, maybe not that efficient, which is why we don't, you know, have them on top of our car, you know, a panel on top driving around everywhere, right? As a big spoiler or something. Um, yeah. And then the other challenge is if you have a big flat panel, <laughs> it might fly off. Right. So one of the things what we're looking for is, is make something really lightweight, uh, low cost. The manufacturing process that we're looking at is, uh, would be a roll to roll and would enable lower cost manufacturing, low CapEx. But the other thing is you, you really want to wrap this on the car uh, rather than have some fixed panel sitting on there. So yeah, um, it's an exciting potential to be able to ex not only extend the range of your EV, but to um, kind of offset your carbon footprint uh, where you're guaranteed to have uh, solar charging your car. You know, sometimes the grid is being charged by uh, coal or, or, or natural gas, but in this case, you would know that you're, you know, by parking it outside, it would actually be charging, extending your range. Um, and uh, in the interesting thing is when you get to things like buses and electric, you, uh, I mean, delivery vehicles, you have this huge surface area, so you can yeah. actually power provide quite a bit more power. Yeah, you got a lot of big flat panels. Those are just big rectangles on wheels, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool. And you know, from what I what I hear too, you know, people like have Teslas and things like that. You know, if you're maybe taking a road trip in one of those, and you got to get to a point where you can charge, you kind of have to plan like a meal stop around that. Cause it's not like, it's not like pumping a tank of gas where you can be in and out of there in, you know, five, 10 minutes, you know, you're, you're 45 minutes roughly, you know, to, to charge up enough to get to the next, uh, charging station. So, um, that would be, that would be really cool. I mean, just for those existing cars that are on the road, right? So, and then the other thing is the electric, electric vehicle market is one of those markets that is growing. It's like 25% per uh, a year. And the other interesting thing is all those vehicles are providing, have the potential if they're connected to the grid of also providing the storage that we need. So um, it has a two way potential is you could be charging uh, while you're driving and, but you can also provide uh, energy back to the grid when maybe the energy is more expensive. So um, it's a new market. It's a, a an opportunity. And I think um, there's a lot of potential opportunities for um, 
for uh, new um, businesses um, in in the market. Sorry, my uh, mic fell off. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's I, I, I'm just envisioning like all the different areas where you guys would be able to to wrap it. I mean, I can even think, you know, big municipalities wrap their buildings and you know signs and all sorts of different things to power with and um, really take a lot of that that drain off the grid, you know, and, and, in Southern California, you know, LA and San Diego and stuff where we're, you know, in the summer times you can hit some brownouts and stuff. I got to imagine, you know, once implemented in, in a, in a big way probably help lessen the impact of that type of thing. Right. The other thing is, uh, the potential for, uh, an impact in, in, in internationally there's, we've been reproached by, uh, municipalities actually in some of the uh, uh, in different locations in the world where they actually have a lot of oil money but their uh, electrical infrastructure isn't as developed so they have a lot of brownouts and this means that um, support for things like hospitals and schools they need to have electricity and they're the challenge is they really don't have a electrical grid that they can use these big infrastructure projects, uh, big gas plants and et cetera, that can be uh, carried over large uh, distances. So they're looking for these solar local uh, production right near the source of demand. So there's been a lot of interest actually in this technology internationally, and it can provide um, electricity where places that are having a difficulty providing that to their um, their population um, and then this electrical potential enables them to provide electricity to schools and hospitals so providing infrastructure support that wasn't there at the time yeah that's really that's really cool um how long have you guys been in development of this technology how long have you been working on it We've been working on it for 10 years. Uh, the technology has developed, we're in our fourth iteration. So the initial uh, technology was really a, was out there from a scientific perspective. It had huge potential, but it was very difficult to build. Mm. So as we started going through our development, we had to, um, make the technology more commercially viable by making it more manufacturable and have a uh, lower technical risk than we had at the very beginning. Uh, the potential of that first technology, uh, it just we couldn't make it at the size scale we had, um, but um, if, that if we could have gotten that commercially, the, the performance and the cost would have been, uh, the performance would have been extremely high and the performance the costs extremely low using um, essentially plastics and metal, but it was very difficult to produce the size that we were looking at. So we we gradually went and started moving towards, uh, um, you know, you learn along the way. So our current uh, technology is leveraging manufacturing uh, capabilities that are already in place and is to have manufacturing and uh, cost structures that uh, are less risky than our first, our first design. And I'm really excited about this 
because once we demonstrate this, I think it can be implemented rather rapidly and expanded globally and, and not just in one local large manufacturing. It, it, it's easy to um, have multiple manufacturing centers, which uh, makes us more competitive uh, globally where you can actually manufacture this in the US yeah. and compete with some of these larger manufacturing um, production facilities that are in the uh, more right now located in East Asia. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm envisioning, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm envisioning something kind of like a vinyl wrap on a car. Is that? It wouldn't be vinyl, but right. It, right. it'd be right. like but, that wrap you put along the car. So it'd be really thin. You can wrap it around. Um, there is some potential too that you can add coloring to it. So for houses, uh, you know, right now you have it on your roof, but what would be interesting is if you can add a little architectural color to the side. So now uh, you can put the sides being one color and then the roof be maybe dark, uh, more higher performance, but you can have some architectural um, siding along with it. So you can have performance and, um, and still have the aesthetics that um, people would be looking for yeah. um, if they put on their house. Or car. That's really, really cool. Um, I love it. So um, what's what's kind of coming up in the future for you guys is just so just kind of getting manufacturing nailed down to a point where you can really get distribution out? Is that where you guys are at at this point? We're in prototyping. Uh, the next step after that, after we prove that, we're going to go to pilot manufacturing where we demonstrate uh, the performance and the manufacturing. And then we've identified some existing manufacturing locations that have already have some of the infrastructure. And that would be our next uh, phase after that would be to partner with these groups to get our first initial production runs out to customers. And then we have after that, we have several different uh, groups that are interested in forming joint ventures where we expand our manufacturing to different locations. Yeah. Um, and that would be international production. And then we also have um, high, uh, large companies that are interested in this for other applications that include wrapping around uh, mobile electronics. And these groups are just waiting for us to demonstrate this, uh, the first part, which is the uh, technical development, the prototype. Wow. So we've got some initial uh, results and we're, we're getting really close. It always takes longer. COVID has made it a little bit more challenging. I bet. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's been, you know, it hasn't been as fast as I'd like, but um, we are making progress and getting close. What's your, what's your goal to be, you know, to market on this? Our goal is to change the solar market so that it's not, ju you just don't think of it as only on residential roofs and these solar farms. Uh, what we'd like to do is bring solar to the source of demand, which would be the cars into the cities, into the apartment buildings, onto places that you couldn't put it right now, closer to the source of demand. And what I, I'm envisioning is that um, you have more decentralized power production so that when you have these wildfires um, or other type of events, that knock out the grid, you still have production capable in uh, the majority of the sources. Sorry. 
<laughs> I thought <laughs> I'd turn that off. Uh, so uh, so we, we, we see the market for renewable energy expanding when you increase the where you can place solar and oh, yeah. how close you can put it to the source of demand. Yeah, well, that's that's fascinating. I think it's really, really cool. Well, I wish you all the best of luck in that. That is really awesome. Um, and um, as we kind of wrap up here, I like to ask a lot of my guests, you know, kind of the theme, the, the title of our show, Armed and Ready. What does Armed and Ready mean to you? That's a, an interesting question. I think anybody, you know, that's a, uh, how you approach. Uh, uh, so I look at Armed and Ready from to be thinking strategically. I think as a country, uh, we look ahead and we look at our challenges that we're facing and looking at them from planning how we address them. And, and this includes, personally for me, it's global climate change. Uh, and I think that means we can see this challenge that comes ahead. And it's an opportunity where uh, the U.S. can be a, a global leader. And I think that's the same thing from, from the military perspective. The military is always concerned about, you know, addressing world challenges. And one of them is global climate change. And they can be part of the solution. And they have been frequently is developing that technology. But also as we move forward, looking strategically, how do we build partnerships and strong relationships? So I think that makes us uh, a lot of the world, the leadership that the U.S. has been in is both technical and in providing leadership and guidance for the world. And I think that is what I would consider uh, to be armed and ready would be, you know, maintaining our, our strategic thinking, our um, coalition building and building teams across the world to help solve some of the planet's crisis or um, challenges. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Makes, makes me think of uh, India and China and their, their high levels of pollution and how, you know, something like this could go in there and, and help that. Right. Um, well, Phil, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, you know, everybody that's watching, keep an eye on Pi Energy. I think, I think they're onto something that we're going to see um, in the future, and it's going to have a really, really awesome impact for us. So, Phil, thanks for what you're doing, man, and uh, thank you for your service and your time today. We really appreciate having you on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you have any questions about the guests on the show, please reach out to me at valoneguy.us.